Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to today's special episode of Talking New Energy, which is dedicated to the topic of women in new energy. I'm Jennifer Aaron, I'm Head of Products here at Delta EE, and I'm delighted to have this opportunity to host another episode of Women in New Energy with such incredible female guests and leaders at the leading edge of the energy transition. Um, This week we're celebrating International Women's Day, um, and a key theme this year across the event is gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. And we felt it was really important to recognise the contribution of women and girls around the world who are leading on the charge on climate change um, and to build a more sustainable future for all. Also, to emphasise today the critical role of women in achieving the energy transition and the importance of, of breaking the bias to give them the space and opportunity to do so. Today, we want to focus on why women have so much to offer in the energy industry, but also explore what companies can or whether companies should play a role in supporting women to succeed in their careers. Today, I'm joined by three guests. I've got Ulrika Hetke, Director of the Innovation Programme at Vattenfall, Verena McCappin, Group Head of External Relations and Engagement at Glenn Dimplex, and Tessa Clark, my colleague here at Delta EE, who leads on our consulting delivery. Um, I guess by way of introduction, it'd be great if you could each say hello to the listeners and give a kind of brief intro of your current role, um, but also your experiences so far in the sector and what led you into energy. Um, so I'll, I'll come around each of you. Um, perhaps if you want to start with Ulrika. Yes, it was a pleasure. Hello, everybody. I'm Ulrike, Ulrike Hitke. I'm working for a big European energy company called Vattenfall. Uh, and I'm in the energy business already for 26 years, uh, 25 years at Vattenfall, and it has been quite a quite a nice journey in this company. So I started in marketing in times when the energy market has been liberalized, and uh, I uh, was really excited about this opportunity to come from from a perspective of users to a perspective of customers, and. Uh, to be honest, I haven't chosen to to work in the energy business at this point in time. It was just by chance that uh, that the job was there and I was attracted by it and I've taken it. But I haven't thought about the industry where I go to. Uh, I worked then over time in several uh, roles and in several uh, topics in Vattenfall. So from marketing, I moved on to strategy from strategy to business development, from business development or within business development, even to project management. And today I'm uh, the director of the innovation program of the business area called Customers and Solutions. And in this role, I have an international team and we are looking into uh, what we call Horizon 3 innovation. So uh, more innovation being far away from today's core business or being a bit more with a long-term focus to really create new value pools and and support our company and our purpose to be fossil-free within one generation and enable fossil-free living for all our customers in one generation. And that's an exciting purpose, and that makes me happy that I, by chance, ended up in the energy industry. So it's really nice to be there. And, yeah, that's about me. Thanks, Ulrika. And we might come back to your point about it being by chance, because I had a similar experience as a, you know, accidentally coming across the energy sector rather than planning it. And so glad that I did. And it's an exciting mission. So we might come back to that point in a bit. Um, 
Rowena, do you want to say hello? Yes, hello. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rowena McCaffin. I am currently Group Head of External Relations and Engagement at Glendinplex. Glendinplex is an um, Irish privately owned international manufacturing business. Um, our main focus and our largest division is in the electric heating and ventilation um, space. Um, we manufacture heating solutions for new build and also for retrofit um, for all types of buildings. I've been in the energy sector per se, well, I've been in Glendale for 17 years and therefore have been in the sector. But being perfectly honest, it's really only been the last five, six years since we have started to see the transition away from fossil fuels, the electrification of buildings and also of transport that I have really got involved in the um the the green transition and the energy transition um my the, the the main focus of my role currently is working in external relations and lobbying and policy and regulation around uh, decarbonization of buildings um obviously there's a lot of work going on at that on in that at the minute um so I spend a lot of my time supporting our businesses um, in terms of their strategy for decarbonisation, heating and ventilation and working with policymakers and local communities. Um, so I'm delighted to be here today with you all and um, thank you for inviting me. Thanks, Irina. Um Tessa, do you want to say, say hello as well? Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. Um, hi, I'm Tessa Clark. Um, yeah, really nice to be here today. Um, so I'm the consultancy delivery lead here at Delta EE. Um, so I also stumbled into energy a little bit by chance, to be honest. Um, so I um, I graduated um, with a geography degree and was really interested in the sort of environmental side of things. And I think at that age was very positive, wanted to change the world. So I started my career out in a, a sort of energy efficiency um, climate change charity, uh, sort of engaging with communities, providing energy advice. Um, I knew nothing about energy at that point, but uh, we quickly learned, don't we? <laughs> um, and then I, I really moved into sort of research uh, project management, which I really enjoy and have, have worked for um, a number of companies before joining Delta about two and a half years ago. Thanks, Tessa. Yeah, uh, interesting that a few of us are saying already that is, you know, an accidental, maybe that's something that, that we can consider in terms of how how we can improve representation, I guess, in energy um, of, of women. Um, I mean, to take the, the, the conversation forward, I guess the first question to ask is, you know, is gender balance still a problem? Is there still a problem to solve here um, in the energy industry? So if I could just come in there, I mean, I, I've i been thinking about this uh, quite a lot of detail over the last few days in, in preparation for the podcast. So I would say that from spending the last couple of years i haven't uh, we haven't had none of us have had the opportunity to really attend conferences meetings face-to-face -face, um events now that's starting to come back again hence i'm currently in a taxi on my way into london for meetings today which is great in whitehall um but um i definitely have noticed uh, over the last five six years there are more females in the energy industry um, it is definitely changing. Um, however, I would say that we still are not represented fully or enough. My my take on this would be, I think, until we have that gender balance uh, really properly resolved in the energy industry, we're not going to fully um, be able to um, succeed in the energy transition because for me, the energy transition is about everybody. It's no longer about engineers um, in utilities. 
It's about the whole, everybody, the consumers need to understand male and female, all ages, um, all sectors, all societies need to understand. And therefore, we need we need that gender balance. And um, certainly from my point of view, I can see more females coming into the industry because there's different business models, there's different skills needed. Um, you know, it's it's there, there's more um, there's more recognition um, that we have a, a ma- major challenge on our hands. But I still don't think we're there today in terms of encouraging um, females into the industry. And I think that needs to start from from the top um, rather than uh, as well, obviously, from the bottom, make sure that universities and um, um, institutions are offering the right advice to both male and females in terms of education to be able to help in the energy transition. I, I would agree with Verena. Um, I think I've always been quite lucky to work places that have a really good gender balance. Um, but I, I've done a lot of project work, working with lots of different clients, and there's certainly quite a few occasions where the majority of the people I'm working with are men and there, there isn't that gender balance there. Um, and I would also agree, um, yeah, probably about eight years ago, I was doing a lot of conferences and events and yeah, the speakers were predominantly men, absolutely. And I, I agree, I think that there has been a positive change in the last few years around making sure we we do have female speakers at, at conferences and events, which I think is great. Um, but I think there's more to be done in terms of recruiting women into the workplace, retaining them and also valuing them and making sure that their voice is heard and that their potential is is reached. I think uh, so. So when when I uh, listen to you and you say um, valuing them, then I think it's 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 more than this. It's uh, as well encouraging them. Yeah. So really attract. Uh, when when I look into young talents, young females to to join an energy company, to join the energy sector, I think that's something as well. And. Uh, I think uh, having more females in a company that starts with having more females as well in management who are choosing the new people to join a company. Yeah, people have the tendency that that, uh, and that's quite natural that you're looking for somebody who's a bit like you. And when you have then all these male managers, they might look more for for men. Yeah, and I think that that already starts. So. Um, from my perspective and from my experience, we made super big steps the past 25 years. So I have this experience in one company, so I can see uh, what uh, what what happened the past uh, the past time. And when I started, I, it was really exceptional to have a woman on a on a highly qualified position. Let me say it like this. Yeah, and now our CEO is female. Yeah, so 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 things are changing over time. I think we are not there yet, yeah, uh, but uh, we made super big steps. Yeah, I think there's something there around having the right role models and there probably is still, so while there is a lot more women I can see engaging early stage, even in the, the 10, 15 years I've been working in heat primarily with Delta, I've seen a transformation in terms of the number of women that are engaging and that are at the events that I go to, but there isn't as many people in the senior levels still. Um, and I guess that brings on to the next question, which is, you know, why is that important? And from from my perspective, I don't believe the transition can succeed if we're not engaging in a way that engages everybody. And to do that, you need people a little bit like what you said, Ulrika, you need people that are a bit like yourself, who can understand how you might think, who can put the right propositions and the business models and tailor things. And it's a conversation not to have just with men, it's a conversation to have with women and all kind of types of people in society to succeed. Um, 
so yeah, I don't know, you know, what are the other benefits that gender balance would, would bring from, from your perspective? I mean, we'd, we'd be massively missing out if we weren't recruiting um, lots of women, essentially. You know, there are lots of really talented women out there with lots of potential, um, you know, across across the board with lots of different skills, lots of different, um, you know, expertise and knowledge. We are massively missing out by not by not recruiting those people. Um, but I think as well, the, the diversity of, of views, ways of working that you get from from working with different people. So I guess that's what I mean by by making sure that we value the women women's voice, um, making sure that they actually, um, you know, are in a position where we can contribute ideas to how we take our business forwards, how we how we work differently, um, how we innovate within within the business. Um, we, we want that to be a diverse range of voices. Um, so we need to make sure women feel empowered and 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 have that have that voice. Uh, I, I fully agree on what you say. Yeah, you need the different perspectives of of male and female. Uh, you really um, you you miss out quite a lot. So, so I can just emphasize on what you said uh, um, when it comes to, for instance, innovation. Yeah, uh, the field I'm in. When you just have the the perspective of one side, then uh, you do not get the perspective of another side and. Uh, when you're finding solutions to problems, it's always good to approach it from different angles. Yeah, to have to have all the perspectives in there. I I have seen that there are even studies. Yeah, by by Harvard Business Review, McKinsey, these type of consultant companies, who figured out that you you have higher revenues to to uh, quite an extent when you have a good mix, that you have a better performance, that you are no more profitable. And that you are not more attractive as an employer, yeah. Well, what is interesting as well. So, so there, I only see advantages to be honest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I saw those studies as well, and they said, um, you know, actually, more women, um, better, better staff retention. Yeah, lots of like really good evidence to show that you need that you need that mix. So, I guess that brings us quite nicely onto the next question, which I want to cover, which was, you know, so what. What's helped you? I mean, I'm interested in your stories. So what's helped you to kind of enter the energy sector? Um, or what measures have companies put in place perhaps that have supported you to get to where you are or enabled you to progress? You know, is, is there things there that we can learn? I think for me, I, 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 um, I don't know if this is a common thing for women, but I think I, I always struggled a little bit with confidence. And I think that um, can be a little bit more common in, in women than men, I think. Um, I think I struggled with that a little bit when I was, when I was younger. And then I think as soon as I start to realise, actually, the skills that I had were really useful. Um, you, you know, you don't have to be fantastic at everything, but find what you're good at and really develop those. I think once I got the confidence to really develop those skills and, and that I really had something really good to offer, um, actually, I started progressing and really and really enjoying my job and feeling like I was really um, contributing as well. And that wasn't anything in particular that that companies have done but really good I suppose support from individual managers and colleagues that I've had in different jobs um, has really just enabled me to to, to progress like that that's, that's my experience yeah so it's a mentorship and is there a role perhaps for more female mentors or um, you know there's a role for men here as well I think in making sure that they're calling out their bias if we think about international women's day and it's break the bias you know yeah. making sure they're calling out their unconscious bias perhaps about how they think people should behave which is completely in their subconscious um 
but you know having that sort of awareness around it if you're mentoring people regardless of whether they're male or female is probably really important part of this I think I think so I think I I do recognize that um yeah have, having firstly having I suppose those female leaders and role models is is really important to you know less experienced staff absolutely um but I th I think us providing mentor mentorship or mentoring um and also um i think seeing the potential in, in people if that makes sense so I, I do think confidence is is one issue i do notice and um quite, you know i i do work with a lot of female colleagues who are earlier on in their careers and, and they're fantastic and they've got so much to give and i think sometimes all it is is a is a confidence boost of you're just as good as as your male counterparts if not better you just need to believe in that um, yeah, and I think you need to be, at least that's my experience, you need to be clear on what you want. Yeah, don't give up. That's really important. When when I started to 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 look into next steps, when when I uh, was was uh, pretty young and early in my career, I, I was always told, yeah, you have so much time, you're so young. And uh, then then it, it there was a situation I can remember very well uh where i have been in a young talent uh management talent program yeah and i've been there one year and another year and after some years i said now i really develop my skills i'm not a talent anymore i would like to have a position and then they even said to me no of course you are not a young talent anymore so we do not know what to do with you you have been for such a long time a young talent but what might be the next steps and they looked completely helpless and I said that's for me quite uh, quite clear what's the next step so can we please do it but that was really a lot of years ago where it was really not common that that um, that women in energy companies were supposed to have uh, a management positions besides from HR and we had this um, um these um, areas where you had this customer service part in some shops where you had this um where you teach people how to cook with an electric uh um, um how is it called the oh we the electric hob yeah oh. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, and these were the the positions where you could have a career as a female, but nowhere else. Yes, <laughs> and I'm so happy that that it stopped over time. But the only thing what helped me was stamina, stamina yeah. and working hard. Yeah, and uh, and then it worked over time. And what helped me as well, to be honest, is that we became an international company, because there you have uh, influences from other cultures. Yeah, you you coming from from a German culture, there there it was one uh, one view on how you can develop as a female. Swedish culture, for instance, is completely different, much more open. That's much more normal to have female managers, and I think that's a big big plus for Vattenfall as well to have these different cultures in the different countries. Yeah which are fruitful for each other and which which are really um, helping to make steps. Uh, in Vattenfall, it's very important for us to look into diversity. So we are not only talking about gender diversity, but diversity and inclusion for from, from all aspects you can imagine. And I think that makes it even then better to, to have the full, the full picture and the, the different perspectives. And that helps a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really critical point. I mean, there's a few things that you mentioned. So, you know, it's great to have these programs that get people in when they're young, but the next step, you know, they should have the planning. And I think probably we're, we're getting better at progression for, for, for all people that join at a young age, perhaps, and there's more places for people to go. Um, and I guess not second guessing what people might be interested in. So, you know, if people are surprise you and say, I'm interested in this topic, and you're like, well, that's not what I thought you'd be interested in. Well, that's fine. Let's go down that route and let's explore that with people. So being really open about what people's interests are, I think, is really important. And then the other thing is the diversity point. So we're talking about women here, but actually when we look at us, we're not that diverse group of women. We're all of a certain <laughs> certain background. So actually the diversity in the whole company across all different cultures is hugely additive. And again, at Delta, I think that's a really key part of the way we work we learn so much from all the other different cultures that we have even within the small company that we are um, and it really adds adds value to the whole conversation about inclusion um, which is really important so Rowena do you have anything to add around you know things that you've experienced in your career what, what's helped you get to where where you've got to in, in your career in energy yes I mean certainly um from my point of view I come I'm going to be honest, I must admit, I haven't experienced any major challenges or blockages in terms of being a woman um in the workplace or being a woman in the energy sector. I've been really um lucky uh in terms of the fact that I have had really good bosses, both um, male and female, um, throughout my career. And I think, you know, I've always just made myself available for opportunities um for travel um for changing roles and uh I, that being said i have had to make difficult decisions in the past in terms of prioritizing career over personal life at certain times or you know um contracting childcare um, I have two two children, so contracting childcare to look after my kids when I needed to travel more or I needed to work more. So, you know, I'm not saying that it's easy. Um, I have had to um, sacrifice some of my personal life to be able to to work, but I think that's an investment, and I I think it's been worthwhile. And I'm I'm getting to the point in my career where I'm starting to have a bit more balance, which is great. Um. But I've never experienced any major major challenges. Um, and that being said, that's then why I always try to make sure that I give opportunities to people that are working with um, with me and if my in my team, um, whether they're male or female. Um, I like having a good balance. And for me, actually, we have a very small team. Um, and for me, it's more about the fit um, in that team ra- that rather than whether they're male or female. And I always go for the best person for the job, whether it's male or female. Um, we do also encourage in my um, organisation, we encourage graduates to come through. Um, and I must admit, I'm starting to see a little bit uh, more, a few more sort of graduates coming in through STEM, STEM subjects rather than even five, six years ago, it would have been very male dominated. I still don't think there's enough. And I think our schools and our universities have a part to play in that in terms of encouraging more women into um, the energy sector. Yeah, there's a few points points to pick up there. And I guess I think it's fantastic that you've, you've, you've you kind of said, oh, you know, I, I didn't have any barriers at the same time as saying you had to sacrifice your personal life and contract out childcare. Um, and 
you know that does feel like quite a big potential barrier that you've had to deal with there um and I know for me I have two children and you know we talked about confidence there's another C in there around enabling women to progress in their careers and I think that's around childcare and flexibility and you know I know that if I didn't work in such a flexible organization I would find it very hard um to do both and you'd have to make that difficult choice I would like to add something when you're talking about children and how, how to how to organize a, a life uh, as a working mom. <laughs> um, that's interesting as well. What I notice in our company, that's again uh, what I see what's quite different from country to country. When you at least uh, a few years ago, it might might become better now over time. But a few years ago, it was not uh, very common in Germany that a man went uh, out of work a bit earlier to, to pick up the children. I think now it's different, but a few years ago, it wasn't like this. In Sweden, it's completely normal. Yeah, then my colleagues tell me, uh, I, need to, I need to step out now, I need to pick up the children. And it doesn't matter if the colleague is male or female. And and that's really something where I think we can we can really learn when you, we are looking a bit into into other areas, into other uh, cultures, other uh, countries. Yeah, so so that's that's amazing what I see there, and that's something what we need to achieve all over Europe or even broader. That it's super normal that everybody takes care for children, and that uh, the the private work, if you would like to call it like this, between men and uh, and women are is is balanced. Yeah, and it's divided between the two. And not just always uh, the woman taking care for everything around the children. Why this? Yeah. Yeah. I think childcare is is a is a man's and a woman's issue, and we always think about it as a, a mother's problem. Actually, it's the parents' problem. You know, a woman doesn't have a baby. The parents have a baby. There's two of them, um, and we should probably speak about it like it's more normal to share that responsibility. Um, Rowena, you were going to add something. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think, um, you know, for me, I got to the point in my working career that myself, my husband had to decide who worked more and who worked less. And it it, it was a conversation that maybe wouldn't have happened, happened 10, 20 years ago, but we, we had to decide that. And the decision was that he would look less, he would work less and, and take care of the kids. Um, a bit more and I would work more Um, things change then you know you know after a few years things change he decides he wants to go back to work I'm still working and then the decision is okay well then what do we do now our kids are a little bit a little bit older so we decided that childcare was the right thing at that stage and I suppose I was fortunate enough to be able to to be able to afford the childcare but there are lots of people that can't afford the childcare and I think that's a big issue specifically in the UK and Ireland for example childcare is expensive um and it, it does there are certain um couples or, or parents that get to a certain point and actually one of them has to stop working because it's just not worth it and I think that's something that needs to be addressed I know that's not the case in some of the um Scandinavian countries I believe childcare is more readily available and it's potentially subsidized so that's maybe why there's more of a, a balance there in terms of that work-life balance but it's um yeah it's not not particularly easy in the UK to have two working parents um and 
and, and look after kids at the same time. So I think there is definitely a challenge there still. How much has, has home working and flexible working through COVID changing this this conversation, I guess? Like, is it easier now? Are we making headway <laughs> for men and women? So to be honest, when, when I'm looking into into the, the question, uh, gender balance, nothing changed from my perspective. Yeah, but that's my very private perspective as I do not have children at home. I think it's a different thing when you have your children then at home and need to work from home and have them at home. And so I can't judge about this because I'm not sure. I think it does depend a little bit about companies approach to working from home and hybrid working going forwards, because I think there is quite a variety of approaches. Um, I mean, I don't have children myself, but, you know, with lots of friends and colleagues that do, I can absolutely recognize that the flex flexibility um, of, of, of work is really going to benefit women coming back to work and staying in work and being happy. Um, but also, of course, men as well who, who have children. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope I hope it's been a good thing. Um, but I think we're all still navigating that at the moment and we'll see see where it goes. Yeah, so from from my point of view, I would say that um, the pandemic has helped with the flexible and hybrid working. Um, certainly before the pandemic, I would have been in the office five days a week. I wouldn't have worked from home. I was either in the office or was traveling. And that did cause me a lot of challenges with childcare. Um, and it cost me a lot of money. Now I am able to have more of a balanced approach, which is great. Um, so I don't need to be in the office every day. Um, and I can, if I want, and I think that's the, the one of the, the key things, if I want, I can pick up my kids and, and leave them off. Sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes it's actually easier for me not to blur the lines between work and personal life. But but I have that choice now, which before I, I, I didn't have that choice. So I think the flexibility and the hybrid working um, has definitely helped that work-life balance. I just hope that um, you know we can get some sort of normality back and that when people do start to go back to offices more that it's not just the men that are going back because the women have maybe given up childcare or have changed their lifestyle hopefully if, if there is a decision then between you know the, the two the two parents what's the right thing to do for for both and for careers and for children I think it's also important to recognize that you know flexibility like you said, is, is becomes then more of a choice and a conversation, which is fantastic for, for parents, working parents, but for also people in other li life stages. It gives people much more flexibility about how they want to work. Um, Tessie, you mentioned confidence earlier. Perhaps if you're a, a bit less confident, the, the ability to, to work from home sometimes, to have a break from that office environment may, may help you focus. You know, there's all sorts of other benefits potentially that could help around career development and opportunities for people from from kind of the hybrid hybrid model potentially um just conscious of, of time actually and we're i think we could talk about this topic for for days and we're probably not going to resolve everything i guess before we go to the final final question is there any other examples that anyone wants to to raise where they've seen companies doing something particularly novel or valuable that they would you know we've, we've talked a bit about mentorship we talked about confidence we've talked about childcare. Um, I guess we talked a bit about capability in terms of making sure the skills are coming through. So it's starting early and there's almost three C's, I guess, confidence, childcare, capability. All these things will enable women to, to progress better in the energy sector. But is there anything anyone wants to, to kind of highlight that they've seen companies doing or experience themselves? I've got another another C to add, um, which is having a conversation. 
and that is something that we've done at Delta E is actually just internally having a conversation um, in, in terms of numbers we're really well balanced but just having that conversation of you know is there something is there more that we can do here to support women and to um, to get the most out of our, our staff who are female um, and I, I think that's actually half half the issue is just asking you know asking ourselves that question um, and and having an open conversation. What what I like a lot about what we are doing at Vattenfall is we have really um, big focus on diversity and inclusion yeah and and I mentioned it already but I really like that we uh, we support the conversation or we even drive this conversation that we are looking into a good balance of, of all aspects of diversity. And one is, of course, uh, the gender diversity. And I think that's important. I just yesterday had a meeting about this where we talked about it with a few managers and uh, it's so fruitful yeah, to, to just have a focus on this topic and be aware of it. It starts with awareness. Yeah? Sometimes I think people are not coming from a bad intention. They are just not aware. And that starts. And I really would like to encourage every, everybody, every company to, to have a focus on this topic. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. And I guess the risk is if we don't have the conversation, we assume the problem has gone away. So it might feel like it has, like a company like Delta, we're 50-50 pretty much, I think, men and women. So, you know, problem solved, but, you know, we need to have the conversation and keep exploring, you know, why and how and to improve things going forward. Yeah, so um, certainly I would agree on the conversation and making sure that that dialogue always happens. Um, and I, I really like the idea of mentorship. Um, so again, you know, when I can, I try to, to get involved in mentoring. And again, that that may not just, it's not always just for, for female colleagues, it's for male colleagues too. Um, but I think the, the most important thing is making sure that we, that we work in a culture where that diversity and inclusion piece is recognised and is, is talked about, but not just for the sake of it, really to understand what the benefits are um, for, for the workplace and, you know, the impact that, that you can have um, by making sure that you have more of a diverse culture and open culture in the workplace in general. I think that that has a lot of benefits for, you know, the culture itself and people enjoying their jobs and thriving but also the, the impact that that organisation can have on the outside world. I think the last thing to add on that is making sure that, that time spent is valued. So it's not seen as add-on or extra, not part of your day job. It's part of how, how you work and it's the way we work. So I think that's a real risk around, that's great, you can go off and be a mentor, but you do that in your extra time. <laughs> right. You know, so seeing it as part of the actual work that we do within a company, I think, is is quite important. Okay, so. John, at the end of all of his podcasts, gets out his new energy crystal ball. Um, he's lent it to me today. <laughs> um, and I guess I'd like to finish by each of you by asking. So I'd like to finish by asking each of you, if we set the time frame on John's new energy crystal ball to 2030, what do you hope the sector has achieved? Um, and what do you expect the role of women to be? Irina, do you want to go first? <laughs> Okay, 2030, it seems like a long time away, but it's not. This is really the decade for, for change and, and energy. And um, I think by 2030, um, 
in terms of gender balance, I would like to see certainly a lot better than it is today for various reasons. Um, I think um, it will get better. Um, I can see because of the publicity and the focus that climate change is now getting, rightly so, which has been heightened through COVID, um, it will definitely attract more females into the industry for various reasons. So I think the gender balance will be a lot better by 2030. But I think we all have our role to play in that. So we need we need to we need to have an impact on that and we need to influence that ourselves as, as women in the energy sector. In terms of the energy um transition itself, so from from my point of view, um I would like to see um our twenty thirty targets haven't been met around Europe. Um I'd like to see um the the grid being a lot more green than it is today, which is obviously already happening. From a personal point of view, um, I'd like to see the electrification of heating and transport. Um, I'd like to see a roadmap for 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 heating and and um, cooling, um, having been uh, put in place. And I'd like to just to to ensure that we're all living in a more um, decarbonised uh, society and community by that stage. Thanks, Irina. Marika. Yeah, it's quite hard to, to look into this crystal ball for 2030, but uh, I, I agree it's uh, for, for the energy industry. It's uh, it's not uh, um, far in the future. It's almost tomorrow. So but what will happen tomorrow? I think when it comes to the gender balance, it will be much better than today. We will have a better mix. We will have more females uh, in, in executive management positions. Uh, and we will have more interest as well by by people joining the energy business because uh, climate change is a big topic. One of the biggest challenges we have, uh, we have strong females standing up for this topic. Yeah, When we are looking into Fridays for Future, for instance, there you feel, see the women leading it, the women stepping up and being loud. Yeah. And that's quite encouraging when it come, comes to the gender balance uh, in the energy business. I think those those females will will continue working on the topic and engaging themselves and stepping into the energy business as well. So there is more interest on the one hand uh, and there's more openness on the other hand. So we will see a much better balance. What 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 is another part of this balance? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm wondering. So we have still these clusters. I think we have it in all companies. I see it in our company. You have the females in marketing and communication and HR, and you have the male in uh, in the power plant, driving the power plants, more technical jobs. So I'm curious how this will develop, and I have no idea. I have really no idea. I heard yesterday a colleague of mine complaining that he's in marketing and has only female managers and he's desperately looking for a male manager so that's the other aspect of of the gender balance and he is a super open person who would like to to have a good balance as well to do a good marketing job to have all perspectives in and he's missing the male perspective so let's see how this will develop so i hope for for a much better mix when i'm looking into the the um energy business as such um I'm quite confident that we will make big steps into into the direction of uh, fossil free living, that we will um, have less fossil energy, that we will have a lot of renewable um, energy in, 
that uh, we will do electrification in areas where we can do it um, with with green energy and definitely e-mobility is a, is a hot topic. Yeah, so electrification of transport. Thanks, Ulrika. Tessa, anything to add? Yeah, uh, well, I, <laughs> I absolutely agree with everything that's been said. Um, yeah, I mean, I think women um, are already playing a really critical role in, in the energy transition, and I think that will only continue to, to grow. So I feel very positive. Um, I, would, I would hope by 2030, we're maybe having fewer of these conversations because it's just natural that we have a better gender balance and and a sort of contribution from a, a diverse workforce um but i do agree with Ulrika. there's there's still um there's still progress to go in, in certain certain professions or certain parts of the energy um industry thank you and i guess yeah we're talking about balance overall here so it's it's a story that is is to be continued Okay, um, I think we'll leave it there. Um, thanks very much for the, the insight, the conversation, the discussion. It's been really valuable to, to hear your thoughts on here today. Okay, thanks guys. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Mm-hmm.